Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. Coming up today on College Nation, we'll be discussing the newly discovered rap sensation out of Ole Miss. We discuss whether the alternate jersey craze in college football has gone too far. All that and more, let's get into it. Watch how I touch down, Chad Kelly. Hit the field, it's going down, Chad Kelly. Number one QB, Chad Kelly. The defense ain't seeing me, Chad Kelly. Watch how I touch down, Chad Kelly. Hit the field, it's going down, Chad Kelly. Number one QB, Chad Kelly. The defense ain't seeing me, Chad Kelly. Drop back when I got it. D-line just not it, CBs can't stop it, throwing passes like rockets, first play on the field, you know it's going down, 4,000 plus yards, 41 touchdowns, number one cause we win So if you don't know what this song is, you have to get on it immediately. This came to my attention last week when I was watching College Game Day with Reese Davis and the boys. That is a song called Chad Kelly, if you couldn't tell by the lyrics there. Written and produced by Chad Kelly of the Ole Miss Running Rebels, who I think he wrote it in high school, actually, so it's not as if he wrote it very, very recently, but that came to my attention last week watching College Game Day, and it has been stuck in my head ever since. Lockie, what are your thoughts on Chad Kelly by Chad Kelly? I've only just, I just wanted to play that before we I've got into anything else because it was first time, terrific. And I've already, uh, just before, uh, in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes while we were in prepping before... Uh, before the show, I think we played that through on loop non-stop. Like, that is the most remarkable, amazing piece of audio I've it ever is, heard. It's, it's made my day. Is that on of. iTunes? Because I might donate, you know. It's to- only on SoundCloud at the moment. If you if you haven't heard the full thing, g- oh. check it out. Just Chad Kelly rap. Check it out on Google. Chad You'll Kelly find rap- it on Sound- yeah. SoundCloud. Chad Kelly rapping about Chad Kelly in third person. <laughs> that is just, that's made my life. Uh, that's, that's amazing stuff there. Uh, what Favorite lyric? Uh, when when he's rattling off his stats, like however many many yards and forty one touchdowns. Underarm All American, Chad Kelly. Oh, so I thought we'd start off the show a little bit different. We didn't have our usual intro today because I thought, in place of our usual intro, not many things can force me to not play our intro, Lockie. That is one of the things that will get me to change it. Yeah, and I mean, phew, I he's mean, having a good season though. Um, obviously, Chad number Kelly. three now in the AP top twenty five. Yeah. So you know, you can't. Uh, I mean. Usually, the higher you go, the the more you get away with. Uh, the fact that you can get away with it at the moment, but you know, staggering to think that you know, uh, going through high school, and you record something like that. That's exactly I, those are kind of like red flags. I would have thought for college coaches to see: do they really want a, a player that is so egotistical? Someone that has at the start where he's whispering swag <laughs> after Chad Kelly. It's kind of 
so lame but so unbelievably cool at the same time. I don't Throwing know how that rockets, works. rockets, Chad Kelly. Oh, man, there's so many good lyrics. So many good lyrics. I just, I, I don't even know. I can't even hone in on what my favourite is. You know, I was only going to play 10 seconds at the start before we came on, but it was so good I actually ended up playing about 50 seconds of the song. So I do apologise if anyone was waiting for us to talk. But I just wanted to hear as many lyrics as I could before we uh, we came on. So that is that is that's our gem of the day. We haven't done a gem of the gem of the day. That was we've never even discussed the idea of having a gem of the day. But because of Chad Kelly, we've got a gem of the day. Oh man, I can't believe that um, we've st- uh, I've finally taken so long to stumble across that. But whew, all right. So we should get into just talk now. I, I, I'm going to try to. I'm going to be thinking about Chad Kelly the entire show. But uh, let's get into some uh, actual on-field. Uh, chat from the weekend and one of the games there was two games that really stood out for me from uh, the, the world of college football over the weekend uh, Lockie. Which was those Chris? One of them was the Utah-Oregon clash which I think most people expected was going to be quite quite an interesting clash close clash and a good game. You well, would have thought Alt- so yeah? Yeah I mean at Alton Stadium you know obviously uh, uh, from, a, from a few reports just I haven't been there yet and I'm actually looking at going over in uh, in the next month or two to actually go see a game there. By all reports, just absolutely off the charts noisy. One of the most intimidating stadiums to actually play in from a from a sound perspective. The the shape of the ball, uh, it just like apparently it's just absolutely thunderous. You know, in, in comparison to like you know Death Valley in in LSU and, and things like that. So uh, a bit of a I wouldn't. I suppose you could call it a shock, but at the same time, I mean, Utah, I mean... Well, in the end, Utah won 62-20, to so it wasn't even anywhere near a close game. 62-20. to Everything unbelievable. To, to be fair, everything... How long... It, 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 it's been years since Oregon has been beaten that badly at home. Well, actually, just to, just to throw some knowledge at you or drop some knowledge on you, this is the first time since 2009 that Oregon has dropped out of the AP Top 25. There were 19 before that game. Nineteen, yeah. Well, because they've had a, a rough, uh, rough yeah. few weeks to open the season. Uh, that that ends their streak at ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight weeks in a row, which is you know it would be nice to see the triple digits. But uh, you know Utah, uh, I think they're now up to number uh, eight in the in the rankings, uh, which is oh, I can't remember the last time they were that high. They even got uh, a first ballot uh, spot from one, uh, which is the first time I can remember that they've actually been got a first place vote. And Travis Wilson, their quarterback, is playing brilliantly as well. And what I love when I read Oregon match reports is that more often than not, they'll mention Tommy Hackett. They actually will. If I'm listening to podcasts, every time they seem to mention Utah, they speak about how good their special teams are, and they go on to specifically mention Tommy Hackett. Again, in the uh, the recap on ESPN.com, after that game against Oregon, they mentioned Tommy Hackett. So it's good that he's actually getting the kudos for... The reason yeah. why yeah, we have an affinity, Tommy, is where Chris and I are both Australians. Tommy's an Australian. It's great to see that. On the weekend, though, everything went right for for Utah in terms of, obviously, in reference to, to Hackett. Obviously, he had, a, uh, I think, on, on um, a fourth and one, uh, they uh, had to recall call the play. I forget what it was. And then, obviously, the snap went high. He pulled it down with one hand and went for, a, I think it was like a 33-yard um, or something like that, run, gra- grabbed a first down, uh, which which was fantastic. There was another uh, special teams play where on the punt return, uh, the, the, the punt returning unit completely faked out uh, the, the the Oregon coverage. They they did one of those you know um, 
uh, fake out units where they they basically pretended like it went into the the left corner of the of the uh, of the backfield and uh, down the other sideline just went um, cruising into the end zone was uh, was one of the Utah uh, cornerbacks um, not cornerbacks um, punt returners so uh, you know everything that could go right for for Utah did and uh, and you probably need that when you're playing in Eugene because he's just such a uh, not necessarily just hostile environment, it's just such a loud environment that it's just so off-putting. The next game I wanted to have a look at, which was probably just as equally shocking, was the Michigan-BYU game, in which Michigan actually shut out BYU. Their first shutout in 143 games. Their last time was in 2003 against Utah. That is unbelievable for a team where a lot of people didn't really know what to expect from Michigan. Obviously, they got Jim Harbaugh coming in during the offseason, was kind of re- trying to reshape the program. They lost in uh, round well, in in the first week against Utah. Did Michigan? They've since gone on and won the last last few games. They're looking all right. Well, they're actually they're, looking a lot better than I think many people expected them to be so early on. Well, I mean, and again, you know, uh, when when you lose that opening game and it it puts some more perspective on it and it and it works better for them in the long run. Uh, losing to Utah because obviously Utah's uh, going so well now. They're so uh, they're, they're higher up the rankings that it puts uh, things in perspective. The 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 uh, you know strength of schedule they had uh, when they actually had a loss. It was yeah. against Utah, but uh, Michigan are now in the rankings at number twenty two this week. Uh, first time since twenty thirteen that they've been in the rankings. So uh, you know I think uh, you know uh, it's it's good to see Michigan. Well. I don't like Michigan. I'm a Michigan State fan myself. Oh, in, in if I had to pick one or the other, but uh, it's good to see uh, a traditional powerhouse that you know was uh, going backwards there. Uh, be that ship has been steady a little bit, it seems. Yeah, and I think it'll still be a while before we really see Michigan, you know, take into the top ten, top fifteen. But they're certainly on their way there, and they need recruiting classes. Yeah, that's what it is. exactly. Once Harbaugh starts to bring in his own people, I think he only really brought in a handful throughout the off-season, it's still very much the team of the old administration. So it's still got to change a little bit, and uh, it might take a couple of years before they're back to you know top 10 type of stuff. But uh, it's certainly looking good for Michigan at the moment. What about you, Lockie? What are, what are your biggest takeaways from the weekend? Was there anything specifically that uh, that jumped out at you that you enjoyed? Uh, uh, I mean, no. I, I did... I did enjoy the fact that uh, that Utah has popped up. I, I love the Pac-12 as a conference, uh, as a football conference, because uh, they're looking really good. You know, obviously, um, I think it's more of a, I think it's a more exciting league as opposed to the the the, the grind of the SEC. I find it's a much more aer- aerial conference. Um, I like uh, obviously UCLA um, uh, stomped uh, Arizona, uh, which was interesting in um, down in Tucson, uh, which was uh, which was uh, you know a, a dominant performance and. Um, you know, I, it was a bit disappointing to see Arizona State, who I've got a soft uh, soft spot for, um, get uh, get get a bit flawed in in Tempe. But uh, you know, apart from that, look, I, I it was interesting to see. Uh, it's always interesting to see the actual tide turn on on uh, established powerhouses like uh, Oregon, and things are maybe changing in the in the in the college football landscape. So the fact that Utah has uh, has has crushed them. It's not just an ups. It wasn't just like a a, a minuscule sort of thing. They really put them to the sword. So, uh, you know, Utah's put a lot of money into their program in the last few years with their facilities and and things like that. Like that, their um their their football facility now is uh yeah it, it's pretty top notch. I mean, maybe just behind it'd be behind uh, Oregon, behind maybe Texas A and M, 
and maybe a few others, but it's pretty top-notch. So, um, you know, it, it's always good to see a bit of a changing of the guard. Let's move on. Next up, the agenda. Now, we love a... We, we love we love jerseys. We love all things apparel. We love college jerseys, all that sort of stuff. But you brought to my attention throughout the week, Lockie, the fact that so many teams seem to be uh, coming up with all these alternate football jerseys. We, we see it with Oregon. They're probably the uh, the, the best. They started case. <laughs> What's wrong with your voice there? I know. Went it's... for a swig of water, but uh, yeah. that's right. So they, over the last however many years, they pretty much have a different jersey each week. They have some sort of alteration with their jerseys. I think over the last 10 years, they've had about 66 different jerseys. Or over the, last, over the last however many years, 20 years or so, they've had at least 66 jerseys. That is probably too many. By the way, I, I, I kind of had a look through their jerseys of, of um, you know, all, all the pictures of their previous jerseys. They had one with Donald Duck on it. Actually, Donald Duck. Disney gave them a clearance to have Donald Duck on their jerseys. This was at some stage in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. I thought that was pretty cool. But there is a stage where it probably becomes a little too much. We're seeing a lot more teams nowadays doing it as well. What are your thoughts on it? No, no. So the, the argument for me is, and Oregon started this movement. This, this, this started at the very because core, of Nike. At the very core of it, uh, it was it was partly due, obviously driven by Nike, but it was out of trying to create a, a point of difference in the recruiting game. Is that you have Alabama, you have you know Ohio State, you have USC that are established football programs, right? And and, and Oregon was hasn't they they're not a haven't been a uh, a stalwart uh, powerhouse uh, football program. This has only happened in the last you know fifteen years with with uh, with Phil Knight actually uh, you know absolutely filtering money into the program, and so it started as a way to differentiate and create. What was that word? Differentiate. Is that the right word? Dif- no, I'm getting it wrong. I've got a Differentiate. cold. I've got a cold, mate. Give, give, enough, give me a on. chop out. Uh, and they, they created, a, this was their legacy. This was their tradition. Their tradition was that they never had the same uniform twice. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what it's turned into, and, and it works from a marketing perspective too, because, you know, more uniforms, it's more flashy, recruits like swag, Chad Kelly. <laughs> um, nice segue there. Uh but it also works with you know sales and things like that. It's a good revenue spinner and and, and, and brings focus on the on the football team. And uh, you know in this day and age where football recruits are swayed by are they a Nike University, are they an Under Armour University, are they an Adidas University? These things matter. Now what it's turned into and what you know this this is the subject I wanted to raise up was there, every week every every university now every week has a different uniform. It's it's ludicrous. Like it's gone out of control, and to the point where, like, some of them are just look absolutely horrid. And w- what I brought up to you is, I don't have a problem with Oregon doing it because Oregon never had a tradition, or they they never they never they, they, their tradition was they had no tradition. That's yeah. their well, saying. Well, their jerseys were never one of the most iconic in college football. If you put together a list of five or ten. Oregon's jersey probably wouldn't be in that five or ten. Exactly. And what really spurred this on is in the last few years, there has been some really traditional or, or really great um, historical uh, jerseys that uh, <laughs> that have been absolutely butchered by uh, the main culprit here is Adidas. Yeah. Um, but mind you, Under Armour's done a couple too that have been uh, pretty uh, garish or gorish. What's the word I'm looking for there? Something like that. Uh, and so. For me, I just wanted to have a talk about, or we were going to list off as part of this, you know, five or so programs that we thought you just don't change 
those jerseys. And some of them haven't been changed, but some of them have. And that's where it's just like, you know, the, the universities and their and their people that are in control there need to like go, yeah, whoa, 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 Adidas, you leave your designers in Germany, you leave the you know the tradition that uh, that happens with that. The jersey. thing is, the amount of money that these apparel companies are actually sending these colleges. A lot of the time, the colleges don't really have much say on what the apparel companies want to do with the um, want to do with the design. So there was an instance, I think, with the Louisville Basketball Club, where obviously they signed a, a Louisville Basketball Club. Yep, with Louisville the the the, uh, the basketball team, team uh, where they kind of they they added, I think are they Nike. They wanted to change the design. Adidas. There you go. Adidas again. Adidas wanted to change the design and Louisville kind of had their hands tied because they signed this lucrative deal that Adidas were bringing in a whole bunch of money and part of that contract is the fact that they're able to design whatever jerseys that they feel fit. So sometimes there is an instance where the universities, it's they, they, their hands are kind of tied. It's not up to them to, to uh, kind of tick it off or not. That's the university's fault because uh, in the contract, when they sign the contract, they can put in all these provisions. So, But surely if you're getting... Ten million dollars from an apparel company, or however much it is. Oh, it's way more than that. They will. Let me have a look. What? What? I'll so, like, say for instance, Arizona State. Uh, I think it was at the end of last year signed a. I think it was a, a ten year. Uh, not a ten year deal. Maybe it was a, a six or seven or eight year deal with Adidas, worth I think it was thirty three million dollars. Under Armour signed Notre Dame uh, for a ten year. I think it was like eighty eight million dollar deal. Right now, for the Arizona State one. Uh, the the provision was is that they underwent a, a branding um, a rebranding a few years ago with their their pitchfork and, and the Sun Devil logo, and uh, and that was when they were with Nike, and when they signed this new deal with Adidas, uh, Adidas don't get rights to those uh, to ch- to change those brand assets. They stay the same. So Adidas has to work around some certain um, uh, uh, established branding um, parts of of the Arizona State um, yeah brand. And so what happened a few years ago with these, uh, obviously you remember March Madness a couple of years ago where Adidas came out with these these absolutely just disgusting looking basketball uniforms for like Notre Dame, was that lime green. Yeah, um, that's right, yes. Um, camo get up, there yeah. was the Louisville one, there was the UCLA one, uh, you know, they, they looked disgusting. Um, and uh, I think, uh, and, and so what happened, you know, recently is that, uh, say for instance, the reason what sparked this is that Under Armour came out with a, a Notre Dame, um, like a, a Irish green um, jersey that looked absolutely like Notre Dame, like one of the most uh, beautiful, like uh, uh, iconic, iconic, yeah. just uh, simple uh, uniforms that you could possibly have with the gold dome on top. And they came out with this absolute monstrosity of a thing. It's like, why would you even, why would you, it's like trying to reinvent the wheel. Like, you have something so um, so set and so simple and so traditional and, and just, you know, uh, in many ways it's just perfect like that. And then you get some designer to come in and just absolutely destroy it. It, it doesn't make any sense for me. That's not the appeal of Notre Dame. The appeal of Notre Dame is not to, uh, to, to Nike-fy it or, or, or do an Oregon on it. The appeal of uh, Notre Dame is the tradition and the history and the, and, and the you know, uh, the, the legacy that there was there. There's others like UCLA. I had us come in in the last few years or last, I think how long they've been had us, like last eight years. But the last sort of three or four years, they've come in with some like charcoal, 
they called them LA Steel jerseys and stuff like that. I mean, they weren't they weren't that bad in the scheme of things, but LA's the I mean, UCLA is so simple. It's the you know that that sky powder blue with the gold uh, 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 numbers and lettering. Like it's just it's a very simple. It's very very elegant. It's it's very it's it's what's UCLA. Um, you know, Nebraska this year they they're wearing this black black and red getup where they're you know Nebraska are white and red. Uh, you know, Michigan for example, uh, Jim Harbaugh coming in this year has changed their uniform back to what uh, the uniform was when he was playing, which I, I think w- was good. It's nothing too uh, extreme or anything like that. Um, Ohio State, you don't see them changing uniforms. Uh, USC, very often that USC, a USC are breaking the mold this year. They, they haven't. I don't think they've ever changed their jersey, but I think they're coming out with an alternate this year. It's very. I think it's like a one-off thing. Alabama, you don't see Alabama changing their jersey. Penn State, you don't see them changing their jersey. The fact that uh, uh, Notre Dame changed it is a is is you know they lose credibility. Yeah, that one should have changed. Yeah, lose credibility there. So I think that um, I think that I understand why they do it, but at the same time, understand what your brand is worth and, and and where you are. You're not you're not an Oregon. You're 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 a Notre Dame. You're a traditional powerhouse. You shouldn't have to revert to these cheap um, marketing tricks um, to 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 try and you know stand out. That's not what that's not what I imagine Notre Dame to be. So if you had three untouchable jerseys, let's let's stick it down to three. Three jerseys that should not and may have, but should not ever be touched. Uh well, you know, at the core I think Notre Dame I I think Notre Dame or Penn State. Penn State shouldn't. Penn State's easy. Penn State's just like the, the one clear you just wouldn't um touch. It's just blue and white. Um Notre Dame would be up there, I'd probably say oh, I, think, I mean Texas is pretty simple, I think, too. Uh, U.S. Uh, and, and Alabama; those are the those are the ones that are just you know pretty cut and dry for me. It's just about simple, bold colours. That's who they are. See, I don't mind those. I got uh, a few others for you that I'll I'll throw in because I kind of needed to condense it, and you took some of mine, so that was perfect. What about Tennessee? they what 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 colour do they wear on their jerseys? Oh, I'd describe it as like a. Uh, not a burnt orange, it's like a... You um, know what the official wording of that orange is? Oh. Tennessee orange. Tennessee orange, there you go. When you've got your own colour, then you know you can't really change your jersey too much. Well, uh, Tennessee orange. What Tennessee's known for is the checker. That, so it's not necessarily the uniform. The uniform changed a little bit, and Nike just recently took over the rights there, uh, and uh, and so they've, they've, they've changed their uniform. Not much, it's just like uh, more like fringe detailings. But Tennessee is known for their the, the 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 Tennessee orange and white check. Yeah, like they have in their end zone and all that sort of stuff. So uh, that that's their. As long as they always keep that, then they'll stay true to their roots. That's at the core of it. That's what I'm all I'm asking. Stay true to your roots. Oregon's true to their roots is being different and and, and doing that sort of stuff. Notre Dame and and, and all these other UCLA and um, you know Nebraska and things like that. Don't sell yourself out. You're better than that. I was going to say, Nebraska was probably one of my other ones. Same with Oklahoma, Stanford, and probably a couple more as well that you probably wouldn't want to touch. Yeah, I mean, Stanford had that blackout game where they have a black jersey, which looks pretty sweet. But, um, you know, it's these established um, traditional powerhouses where I just feel so, you know, they they shouldn't resort to cheap tricks. Anyway, but we spent far too long on this topic. That's all right. So we'll just finish off on the show with our winners and losers. Lockie, you can choose... Either a winner or a loser. I will choose the other one. Which one are you going for this week? 
I don't know. I, I, I don't want to call out the loser because... Because uh, well, everyone else seems to be doing it. Because everyone seems else to be doing it. And, all right. <sighs> just do it. Just do it? Just do it. Okay, I'm going to do it, but we're going to do it in a really soft way. I'm going to cop out here. That's fine. The, the loser of the week, in some ways, is, is Michael Dixon of Texas. Now, I feel horrible saying this because uh, we're an Australian podcast, right? And we're, we're trying to promote... Uh, college, college football, college basketball. And Australians. In, in, in Australia. Yeah. So th- this is what the show is about. The College Nation is about college in general. It's just It just so happens that we're talking about Michael Dixon. And uh, obviously on the week you saw it, he uh, he fumbled the snap and, and, and shanked it out of bounds. And then obviously they flipped that around for and, and lost it on a field goal. Dixon, obviously, hey, that's a mistake. Okay, that, that's great. Actually, no, I'm going to change it. The loser of the week. The loser. <laughs> you can't change halfway through. No, I'm going to change it. It's, it, oh, it okay. ties it. The loser of the week is the Australian mainstream media. <laughs> Including yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're different. We're, we're small. We're small fry. Australian, Australian uh, mainstream media. You never, ever, ever publicise or, or give any credit to these Australians in college, right? Never, ever do you write a positive article about them or even give them any kudos whatsoever. Ever. You give Jared Hayne, you talk about, you know, what he's had for breakfast, you know, all types of crap. And then when Michael Dixon has the unfortunate event of, you know, obviously losing the game, and yes, it was bad, you write, uh, I think it was the Sydney Morning Herald, wrote a full article on it. And I've never seen any uh, mainstream media write an article about the fact that Cam Johnston, Tom Hackett, uh, Michael Dixon actually going to Texas, one of the biggest football programs there is. Uh, uh, obviously, he's at Penn State, winning Ray Guy Awards, whatever. You never cover any of that. Yet you'll, you'll lay your boots into a guy. Absolutely disgusting behaviour. And if you actually got any uh, credibility whatsoever and integrity as journalists, maybe you should actually do the, uh, a good thing for Australians and actually write some positive articles, you flogs. That's why, that's why I leave the loser of the week to you. Rant over, strange media. <laughs> well, my winner of the week is going to be as passionate as that, but it's it's a guy who probably will get many, 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 many winners of the week for the rest of the season. Leonard Fournette of uh, FS, of uh, LSU, unbelievable over the weekend. He's just he's, he's dominant. Your he's, accent does it. It's Fournette. Fournette. He the story came out about him during the week that when he was playing um, Pop Warner football. The parents of the opposition kids wanted to get him banned just because he was too good, because he was too big, too fast, not too old, not anything like that, but because he was just too good. And he's kind of brought that talent to the collegiate level. And he's probably he's the front runner for the Heisman Trophy at the moment. He'd be the front runner. I, I, I can sympathise with Leonard um, wanting to be banned as a junior for being too good. <laughs> my, 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 my junior career was cut. You're one of the best cocks going around, yeah? <laughs> That's terrible. Um, my junior sporting career across all sporting codes, Chris, was cut short due to many parents uh, wanting to ban me for my uh, elite level school. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of the show today on College Nation. You can catch uh, all the SEN America podcasts at sen.com.au. You can find us on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SEN America. Until next week, guys, have a good week.